from the rugged desert outside Yuma, Arizona. This is Outpost Outspoken. Outpost Outspoken is the official podcast of U.S. Army Yuma Proving Ground, which conducts natural environment testing of military equipment in Arizona, Alaska, and the tropics. Hello, I'm Mark Schauer. Whether testing jammers to defeat roadside bombs or unmanned aircraft, many feel Yuma Proving Ground's ability to reproduce electronic environments from around the world is the best in the Department of Defense. In more than 15 years at YPG, electronic warfare team lead Yogi Shrestha has worked long hours helping to defeat both of these threats. When you first got the job with Nakatech in 2008, did you have any idea what you were getting into? Uh, no, sir. Uh, yeah, because we, I didn't know it was a Yuma even existed. Um, I come to Yuma uh, just looking for a job. I just got a job when I got laid off from a glass company. Um, I got a, from nowhere, I got a job offer from EC3. I didn't even know where EC3 existed or not. Um, so they finally got it, and then I got a job at EC3, come down on-site, um, interview, and and it was positioned for data analyst. And with my background on the computer science engineering and did a lot of quality engineer type of job, I feel like I was a good fit. In those years, there were hundreds of personnel at Nakatech, sometimes working 60-, 70-hour work weeks, testing counter-improvised explosive device jamming equipment, more or less. That's correct. Um, we pretty much worked uh, morning and nights, uh, supported multiple different uh, branches of uh, DOD um, uh, federal, uh, agencies that we supported um, executing tests, uh, um, collecting data for the jammers, and we presented throughout this, uh, our program managers and customers so that they can have the data in front of them, see how the, their system performs on these all the data collection uh, they did during the throughout the day. And that's mostly we show them the uh, next post-processing data into the customer so that they can visualize how their RF uh, jammer system did. And these days, Electronic Warfare Branch is very much involved in counter-unmanned aircraft systems testing. Um, this IED stuff started back in 2003, where they actually um, uh, pretty much all ground. Um, that's how we started uh, when we invaded the Iraq. And just during that time, was big, hot and heavy by the, our adversary that used this against us. And the soldiers are pretty much um, rapid initiative testing that we do. That's we had back in an attack time frame. We, we test, uh, develop the software for the jammer system and it would deploy to the soldiers. Um, so that's now uh, IED uh, is dying out and then we moving towards the counter US systems and that was the threat currently we're up, up against. And in some respects, a small unmanned aircraft could be turned into a flying IED. That's 100% correct. Um, Congress is a different um, uh, part of game. Uh, it just 
we don't know what to expect. So there are uh, our DOD members, organizations working uh, relentlessly to build the systems that um, counters these and uh, defeats these uh, counter U.S. like uh, U.S. systems that um, that we can get protected our soldiers on the theater. And YPG is seen as a center of excellence for conducting this kind of testing. Yeah, th- that's pretty much what we do uh, as a YPG. We do uh, we different sorts of testing we do here. Um, we do ammunition, um, and we do rockets testings. And where we come in at uh, uh, protecting soldiers on a real life, I, I feel um, fortunate enough to be part of the team that we work on a system that we protect our soldiers and then help um, win the war. And then you've been here more than 15 years now. Actually, I've been here 12 years. Uh, I've been, I was contracting, contractor for the two year, two and a half years. And then after that, I transitioned to government employees in 2011. Um, after that, I worked 10 years of my career as a test officer. Throughout the year, I, that 10 years, I got my uh, master of system engineering from U of A. And, and, and after that, I uh, joined the team lead position at EW. Do you have any plans of going anywhere else in the future? As of right now, now, um, you may have been pretty good to me. Um, we have two beautiful sons. Uh, so we have a wife that she, uh, she works at a YPG also. So we kind of, initially I was planning to move to Aberdeen or any of the um, East Coast, but we decided to stay here. And I have, currently I don't have no plans to moving anywhere else. Now, you originally came from the country of Nepal and came to this country when you were a teenager. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm originally from Nepal, the born and raised up t- until 16 years old when I, I came to the United States in 1995 and settled in Boulder, Colorado, where I went to high school, junior year and senior year, and continued my bachelor's degree in computer science and engineering at um, Colorado. And... I was working full time throughout the um, college. Once I, uh, the company decided to, the one company that I used to work decided to close down, so I moved it with company one in Phoenix, and I continue to work the same company at Phoenix and consolidate that company also. That I and I joined the uh, EC3 at that time, and tracks are now. But now I'm, I'm a government employee. Hey, Yogi, it's really good talking to you today. Thank you, sir. Welcome to Outpost Outspoken. I'm your host for this segment, Anna Henderson. February is Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month. Today, Army Community Services Director Clarissa Benavides is here to talk to us about the topic. Welcome, Clarissa. Thank you for having me. First, let's define what teen dating violence is considered. Teen dating violence includes physical, emotional, sexual or digital abuse, meaning, you know, sexting, kind of when teens send each other images of themselves that are inappropriate and them using that against them. Is that a topic that many know about or even realize is a problem? People are becoming more aware of it, but it is something that is lacking. I think that when we envision teens, 
it's just, you know, playful or a little bit, you know, they're just being dramatic, but it actually does start between uh, the ages of 12 to 18 is when the abuse can begin. Because they have that so-called, you know, puppy love and it's so strong. And I'm sure that also gives their partner more control over them. Right. And then because they're so young as well, they, they just don't recognize it. They just think that's normal. They don't really have anything to compare it to. And they feel so afraid to speak to an adult or they're going to get in trouble or be seen as that someone that just complains all the time. What are the resources that YPG's Army Community Service offers to teens or their parents in this situation? The Family Advocacy Program, as well as the Victim Advocate, does partner a lot with the CYS, so the Child Youth Services, in providing presentations, activities to bring awareness to the teens themselves. Parents are welcome to attend if they'd like, but typically it is the youth that are there, and it's just asking them questions. For example, we just did the Safe Dating or Dating Smart, and it's just kind of talking to them about what do you think is normal, what is okay, what's not okay, should you do this, this, or that. Things like that is what we provide. So a lot of education on outreach is what we do, pamphlets. We do provide stuff like that. And if it's something that is more in-depth that's needed, then we will send them out and connect them with counseling services and things of that nature. During the Teen Dating Smart event that you hosted, did it seem like the children were starting to you know, grasp the concept and the severity of it? Actually, they were very aware of it. They actually said that a lot of their friends discussed these things with them and they, they don't feel like they can tell an adult or a teacher or anything like that. So they try to just, you know, take care of it within themselves. But it's more common than we think. Mm-hmm. They were not surprised by topics and things that we brought up. Mm-hmm. Some were more quiet. Others indicated that they'd have themselves gone through it. So it was something that they, they're, they're very aware of it. It's, it's nothing that you know, they don't know is happening or is possible. Well, great that they're aware, but also you know, sad that they've had to deal with this or know people that have had to deal with it. Um, parents of teens, any advice on how they can bring up the conversation with their child or what they can do just to make sure they're have, opening those lines of communication? I'd say just talking to them, right, about what a healthy relationship is, what's okay and what's not okay. And for those that have a little bit more uh, difficulty in speaking with their child because it is all technology, maybe getting, looking for a video on like TikTok or something like that, that grabs that child's attention Mm -hmm. is really important. Okay. And lastly, any advice to someone who is in an unhealthy relationship? I would say to ensure that they have a really strong support system talk to someone if you're unsure because we want them to not carry these issues into the future relationships where it will create more problems for them in the future and be harder for them to get out of it. Okay, thank you for your advice and thank you for your time today and also what you do for the Army community. Thank you. This has been Outpost Outspoken. Thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time from the forefront of Army transformation.